there, weary traveler. Welcome to the inn. Sit, sit, rest your feet. Why, it's a long journey on the road to Tavalon. Have a cup of tea. Or maybe a frothy ale. The light. Why, you're just in time for the entertainment. Here are your hosts, Tracy and Amber. A long time, yet the seekers come for answers. The questioners come once more. A shape moved back amongst the columns. A man, Matt thought. Good, you have brought no lamps, no torches, as the agreement was and is and ever will be. You have no iron or instruments of music. Matt and the Aelfin, Chapter 14, The Shadow Rising. Hello and welcome back. I am here with my good friend Tracy. I'm here with my wonderful friend Amber. And this is the Road to Tarvalin, a Wheel of Time podcast. Today we go into the doorways. It's not quite as action-packed as our chapters ahead of it, but this is another really brilliant world-building section, and I, I love it. The redstone doorways are always one of my favorites. I mean... There, there was some action in some in some of these chapters, I feel like. Yeah, but it wasn't like Trollocs and Redral storming through the stone, stone of Tear kind of action, you know? It's dialed back action. Yeah, that's true. But we can have Trollocs and Redral any day. What we don't get is a cat fight, <laughs> and I'm here for it. That is true. That is true. And that is actually... That's our first chapter for today, right? Yes, the customs of Mayan. Yes. Oh, Berlin. Okay. So chapter 14, Customs of Mayan. Perrin is in his room post-discussion with Matt, preparing for his departure to the two rivers. He's visited by two women, each wanting something different from him. The point of view changes to Fael, who's off to give Berlaine a piece of her mind and maybe a knuckle sandwich. The fight is broken up before it has barely begun. Both women chided for their ridiculous behavior, and an idea has been planted in Fael's head on how to keep her man. Is it a way to keep her man? <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's, I, I didn't quite know how to phrase that. But I was like, it's, uh, okay, tell me, tell me what you're thinking. Well, I, yeah, I can't, I guess, without a spoiler, but it, it causes some problems. Yeah. She, she eventually, I think, gets her way, but yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. 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 The best part of this is definitely that encounter, you know, like the opening with, Perrin being kind of a uh, pounced on by Berlaine. Like, not, maybe not. She's kind of subtle. Like, she comes in the door and she's distracted, but she definitely has something in mind when she approaches Perrin. And it's not just ironwork for her gates or whatever. Oh, yeah, for something for like in her bedroom. Yeah, I, I like how this chapter starts off where Perrin is kind of like dressing and like working his shoulder and he's like, oh, you know, like my whole left side and my shoulder and this trollic had just barely, you know, slipped past his axe and 
if it would not have been for Fael's quick work. Right. You know, like maybe, maybe I would have gotten seriously injured. So he starts off thinking about Fael mm-hmm. only to be confronted by the busty bear lane. <laughs> <laughs> But I think he smells her perfume before she even walks in, you know. Yeah. I actually love the description of this perfume. I want to make one for him to think that it's like seductive and not overpowering with his super sensitive nose powers. Like I'd make that perfume. Climbing flowers on a hot summer night. Tantalizing scent. Mm -hmm. It's probably just soap. (laughs) You know, if it was like real (laughs) perfume. Karen would be sneezing. That's true. I like thinking that it's perfume. I like thinking that Berylaine does not leave her palace without like... A little spritz. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's another... I mean, you know how I feel about perfume. Well, I assumed it was just because she knew she was going to see Perrin. So like we have that previous chapter in the book where... Elaine is second guessing, like being all done up, knowing that she's going to Rand's room so early in the day, Mm -hmm. but like wearing full jewelry and pearls and whatever. And she's Mm -hmm. all done up and she's like slightly embarrassed. And then then we have Berlaine coming in at this hour, (laughs) but you know, with a little spritz of perfume, looking all seductive. Yeah. Maybe it was planned. Yeah, I don't know. I just, I, I really like that. I, little things. There are little things that just hit me in certain ways, like scent. I mean, I don't necessarily love how, like, <laughs> sniffy Perrin can be, <laughs> but I get it. With this chapter, I think the big thing that stuck out for me is Berlaine really being cornered she's really put in a position right now where she's got to get out of the tower or get out of the stone of tear Mm -hmm. her trying to seduce rand or just have a power play can kind of like attach herself to the lord dragon didn't work out very well so now Mm -hmm. she's moved on to perrin because despite perrin not being the dragon reborn he's a very close companion friend to the dragon reborn and that's worth something yeah and she's already ruled out matt she's already ruled out matt too much like her yep so we've got her kind of trying to sink her claws into perrin and she's kind of like testing him and like oh like i need a good (laughs) <laughs> I need someone to work a forge for me and my end. Maybe you shouldn't come down sometime because I'm leaving and there's just too much going on here. Yeah. And I mean, that's true, right? Like mm-hmm. in later chapters, we see that two high lords have been assassinated. Wink, wink. Wink, wink. And we've got Trollocs running amok and... <laughs> Big things are going on, and the High Lords are all making power plays as well, so I could understand her needing, wanting to get out of there and put herself somewhere that's safer. Yeah. Because even though you're inside one of the most impregnable 
fortresses mm-hmm. in the Wheel of Time world that st- still didn't stop a Trolloc attack. And right. we are seeing people being murdered on the inside as well. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah. It is not a safe place to be. Yeah, I, I don't know if those High Lords were actually murdered inside the stone, but still, there's a lot of dusty marring and <laughs> things going on. Yeah, yeah, she's smart to get out. You know, this is another one of those moments where, I mean, if you look at it, it's everything she's doing is smart. It's like a general looking at a battlefield. How do I get myself out of here with the most victories for myself? Like having Perrin with her would be a like a great thing to have in her mind. So it's not necessarily like just lust on her part that she's approaching Perrin this way. And she knows she needs to get out. Whatever's happening among the High Lords, it's going to trickle down to her. And she knows it. She knows it. So. Yeah. I don't blame her for what she does here. So this whole meeting gets interrupted by Fael, and it's not good because Bear Lane does like one last like seductive arm up Perrin's like, sh- I guess, shoulder and neck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she's like, remember, I always get what I want. And then she kind of saunters off. Right. <laughs> and Fael is just, I mean, you can feel the steam coming out of her ears and she's not having it right yeah. like this causes big drama for the parent fail relationship yeah it's it's going there she tries to play it kind of cool for a minute and the right buttons get pushed at the right time and she goes storming off and parents like his inner monologue He's like, I killed White Cloaks. They will kill me. I don't want you to go with me to watch me die. Right. Perrin's going back to the two rivers and Fael's not allowed to go. And yeah. this is, besides the encounter with Berlane, this is what pushes her over the edge. And mm-hmm. then after this encounter, that's when she's like, you know, fists balled up. Like she takes off and <laughs> goes straight to Berlane. And we have... <laughs> I don't know so why good. I think this is so funny. Like, I, I, usually stuff like this, I'm like, oh, this is just awful. This is just sad, sad it's behavior. It's so but well. <laughs> I just think it's so funny because I don't know what I was thinking in a previous episode, but I'm like, yeah, like the first of my end, like Bear Lane can handle herself, but she's not, you know, like a Saldean Right. Young woman right. who's off on, you know, Fael should be expected to like lead an army, yeah, if she needed to, yeah. And we don't know exactly like what her training was as a young woman when it comes to like martial arts, but <laughs> she's got knives up her sleeve, so right. I mean, there's that, uh huh, and. She's fighting Trollocs, so there's also that. Right. And then we have Bear Lane, who just pretty much, like, jukes her and, like, Taekwondo, like, flips her and snatches the knives from her. Yeah. And Bear Lane's just kind of, like, playing with these knives. Like, I don't know, someone would play with, like, a fan. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, like, this is just nothing. And yeah. Fail is just, with every angry 
maneuver that Fayil can try to come up with. Berlaine just like dodges and blocks mm-hmm. and grabs. And it turns out that the First of Mayan is trained against assassins because of their position politically. Right. That their leaders often are targets of assassins. So. I love that. Berlaine is like, come at me, bro. Right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I love, love, love that. I love that. I always kind of grin to myself when I see this part coming up because Fayil's definitely in this like kind of like hyping herself up mode in a way where she's like, does Barely know how to do this thing? Does she know how to do that thing? I think it's like, could she recite poetry while hawking? Could she ride in the hunt all day, then play the sis, the citern? Cistern, citern, yeah. Yeah, at night while discussing how to counter trollograids. Like she's thinking about like who she is and how dare the first of Mayin like step in on her, her property, her man. How dare she? And you're like, to me, I'm like, of course, Fayil's going to win this fight. Like, Berlaine comes off as like, not the person you're necessarily expecting to have. Berlaine keeps goading her. She's like, oh, right. is that what they do in the farmlands? Right. Farm girl. Right. <laughs> and Fayil is like, I am. Never mind. Yeah. Mad at you. Say. Mad at you, Berlaine. <laughs> I can't tell anyone my super secret. Right? I love that. History, whatever. Yeah. But then, of course, like, Ruart comes in and breaks it up. And he sends Berlaine off to bed without dinner, like a child, (laughs) and takes Fahil's knives. And he's like, I know you have more. Right? Just call it a loss. (laughs) Suck it up, buttercup. I love how he's like, of all the people who might break the peace after what has happened, like the two of you are the last people I would have expected. And I'm like, right? He does say something in this chapter that I, like, as soon as I read it, I was like, oh, light bulb. Okay, interesting. I can't talk about it because spoilers, I'm writing it down right now. But ooh, so when all of this ends at this chapter... Fayil is thinking back to something that Berlaine had said about mm-hmm. an Ogier never breaking its oath. Mm-hmm. And she's like, ooh, okay. So this is where, <laughs> like, the plot thickens. Like, she's got an idea what she's going right. to do now. And I don't know. We can, we can move on if there's – is there anything else you would like to talk about in this chapter? Because I want to get to the next one. No, I'm good. I'm good. We can jump to chapter 15 which is into the doorway. Matt has decided that his life is indeed in danger, which means it's totally okay for him to go through the redstone doorway and the great holding. It's a weird experience from start to finish, and he's definitely unsure that he's gotten the answers he was looking for. Raid and Moraine both exit the doorway shortly after he does, but no one feels like sharing much of their experiences, and they each go their separate ways with their own thoughts to sift through. The Finn! The first thing that, to me, in these chapters is when... Okay, so Matt's, like, down here stumbling around, right? And he's looking around and he's like, ugh, it's so dusty. I can't believe Egwene and Nynaeve didn't dust when they were down here. (laughs) Women love dusting. (laughs) No, we don't. We really don't. But sometimes (sighs) you just have to. 
I don't know what it is. I, I do see, like, when I see super dusty surfaces, I do tend to be like, oh, my God, hand me a cloth. That's driving me crazy. You're like, oh, my God, Aiden, come down here and dust. <laughs> Sometimes. So I like, too, that he's looking at the twisted door frame. Mm-hmm. And he's looking above it, and he's like, it feels like it should be hanging by something. And he's kind of, like, pushing around and exploring by feeling. And he's like, well, it feels well. sturdy. But as he's doing it, like, he's, you know, get, getting, like, goosebumps and yeah. just kind of, like, there's something not quite right here. Yep. But he's a curious fella. So sure he is. just... He he goes on through. Yeah. I I just, I like how he's like, won't know till I try, will I? You're right. You won't, Matt. Like, his thought process is just, it's one of my favorites so often, because it's just like, meh, toss the dice, let's see where it takes us. I love that. Yeah, and I like the description of the yes. elephant. I was going to say the description of him walking through the doorway. I love that transition from one place to another and how it's described in the book I think it's really well done yeah I mean so they have light in there you know mm. like are the fin using electricity mm. or do they have candles like where do they get their wax from <laughs> snakes and foxes any any guesses <laughs> they have very bizarro beehives <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, I was thinking of like uh, I was thinking, yeah. Human uh, body fat? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's where my mind was yep. going. Mm -hmm. yes. Yeah. <laughs> Gross. Uh, tallow candles. Uh-huh. Yeah. Little chunks of meat in them. Oh, now it's getting dark. <laughs> it's like, why does it smell like a butcher shop in here? <gasps> it's the scented can candles our scented mm -hmm. candles rose so everything's spiraled and curved no right angles doors and corners kid that's where they get ya mm -hmm. um <laughs> and it it's just like a maze you know like they keep wandering and walking mm -hmm. and it's very confusing and it's very hard for me to visualize in my own head yeah the only thing that I can really see is like when he's describing what the ceiling looks like mm -hmm. and kind of like the floor tiles. Mm -hmm. And then we do get the description of the ale fin. And mm -hmm. these are the snake, snake like folk, mm -hmm. not the fox like folk. And <laughs> the way that they're kind of like wrapped up with cloth right. feels very mummy like. Right. In a way. Right. That's. In my head, that's always what it looks like, like the 1930s version of what a mummy looks like in the movies. Like that's kind of like, except for maybe their heads being wrapped. That's how it's always kind of looked to me. Yeah. And they've got these like long, narrow faces. Yeah. It has straight black hair. I mean. Creepy. Yeah. I, I just, we're going to have to do a whole Finn episode where we have like way more time yeah. to talk about this type of stuff. But 
there's just such an incredible like I feel like mythology like based on the fae like mm-hmm. you know no iron no music no mm-hmm. fire and mm-hmm. that's like the th- three things that the fae are weary of mm-hmm. but also like the whole deal with riddles you know mm-hmm. and that's something that's like to me it's very obvious but I think it's just a it's a fun thing that Robert Jordan included mm-hmm. and I'm also really curious too about whether or not this was something that he from the get-go was like look I really want to put more of these strange creatures into the story mm-hmm. or if it was just a means of plot development where he's like well we need to get Matt to Ruidion here's a fun way to do it you know mm-hmm. like what came first yeah. Yeah. Snakes and Foxes says Finn equals Fae plus Jin. Oh. So. Oh. Jin is like a genie, right? I think so. Yeah. Snakes and Foxes says, yup. 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 Thank you. So while Matt's down here, he's really keeping his composure, right? He's like, gotta stay focused. Don't ask any unnecessary questions. I can do this. I've got this. I can do this. And he, he makes it kind of a while before just fucking it all up yeah <laughs> like he, he he's trying the the poor guy he's really trying yeah but things get like this whole thing just gets weird like it's a weird situation it just keeps getting weirder while he's in it like the whole he has another one there's there's a strain happening because Matt is another another what like don't find out until close to the end of the chapter and then I mean he manages to like force several more answers out of the Finn than what they are said to give like he's only supposed to get answers to three questions but like as he's being dragged away, he's like shouting extra questions and apparently they just can't help themselves and they blurt out all these additional things. And I'm like, oh, wow. I think he. I started counting and I got to five, I think. And yeah. then I was like, man, he's just really mucking it up. Yeah. So the first question is, should I go home to help my people? And this is after he's given them this the whole spiel, you know, he's like mm-hmm. in the in the therapist's office and he's telling them his problems and everything that's happening and he ends it with should I go home and what do they say? You must go to Ruidion. Mm-hmm. And then he's pissed because he's like, well, why Ruidion? And he's kind <laughs> of cussing and... Why should I? Why should I go there? So now he's starting to like counterfeit all of the <laughs> all of the stable like by the book I'm going to do this right, right. mentality right. from earlier. Right. And they're like if you don't go to Ru- Ruidion you're going to die. Yeah. And then he's, you know, burn your soul for a craven heart. <laughs> Why will I die? Like what will happen if I don't go to Ruidion? And then, you know, everything just keeps tumbling down and Mm -hmm. what fate are you talking about and yeah then he gets told that he will marry the daughter of the nine moons he will die and live again and live once more a part Mm -hmm. of what was and he will have to give up 
half the light of the world to save the world. Mm. And that's such a huge, huge, huge quote from the books. Like, just giant, giant, massive, important, important quote from the books. Yeah. And I think, like, there's a really good example in the answers that they give where it says, when they're like, you have to go to Ruidian um, or you'll die. And the reply is, you will have sidestepped the thread of fate, left your fate to drift on the winds of time, and you will be killed by those who do not want that fate fulfilled. Now go, you must go quickly. And it's like... Yeah, and he's like, what fate? Fate? What fate? (laughs) Still asking questions. You've given me no answers. No answers. You've led me away from the questions that I wanted to ask, and no answers. Go to Rideon, son of battles. Go to Rideon, trickster. Go, gambler. Go. I love that. I love that. I mean... Everything that they say is just really fun. Like, I, the way that I picture them speaking is yes. very snake-like. And then, okay, I mean, this is skipping ahead a little bit. Sure. But are we to assume that these conversations are happening in the old tongue uh-huh because there are other alefin present who are also talking to him as well mm-hmm. and then moraine kind of i guess confirms it when mm-hmm. she's like well how are your translators and he was like not realizing that they had been speaking in the old tongue mm-hmm Snakes and foxes said, Aelfin, say, go to Ruidion lest you die. Matt goes to Ruidion and dies. Elfin, well, we guess he didn't get the memo. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Matt even, doesn't Matt even think about that? He's like, you know, should I die on my way to Ruidion? Like, like, huffing at him. Right? Like, that'll show them what they knew. Oh my god, Tracy. I I what? I laughed so hard. Um <laughs> this this part in the chapter so like everything's like vibrating and there's gong sounds and this is mm-hmm. because Rand has gone in at the same time. So we've got two Tavirans at the mm-hmm. same time and I don't know if the place is just about ready to fall apart. That's what it sounds like. Mm-hmm. And then they literally, <laughs> like, bouncer at the club, like, toss him out. <laughs> like, of the door. <laughs> of the twisted stone door. Throw him. He just, like, flies through. And it's just so fucking funny. I love that. I just, oh, oh I don't know. The Finn, man. Great sense of humor. Right? They're not messing around with getting him out of there. And I, I just love it. I mean, we riot, right, if this is in the TV show. Oh, my gosh. Like, it has to be. I don't know. There's a lot of things I can forgive, but right? no fin. No fin. Oh, snakes and foxes. It would just, it, it, no, it just, they can't. I just don't think, that, oh, God, what if they do, though? Well, I was, you know what? I was huh. thinking the same thing. Um, not the same thing, but something similar. Because in our in our last chapter, Galad and Gawain are back. And yeah. I was thinking to myself, 
Like, what are they doing in the tower still? Their sister's not there, and the Amberlin's not answering any questions. Yeah. Shouldn't they just leave or, you know, do something else? <laughs> because, like, are, is Morgay's really just sending her sons there for more military training? Or, like, I... what's the point of them being there besides keeping tabs on Elaine? I always saw it as, at least for Gowan maybe, and possibly for Galad as well, it's about continuing to improve in their skills with the sword. Because I think, I think there's some point like when Elaine and Egwene Nynaeve arrive in the tower and they're trying to, like Galad and Gowan are trying to get them to tell where they've been and then they're talking about like how Morgase was there and they're like it took all of our quick thinking, whatever, blah, 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 to be able to stay and continue to train. But I think I think Gowan's hoping that if Elaine returns somewhere, she's gonna return to the tower and he'll be there to like resume his role as whatever it is he does as her brother. <laughs> First prince or whatever. I'm just guess like second guessing more gays, I think. Where yeah. I'm like so she doesn't have a big family, you know? Like there's not a lot of children and none of them are back in Andor right now. So like to me, I wouldn't put the daughter heir, the only heir, and then her two surviving siblings. Mm-hmm. in a place where you can't monitor what's going on yeah that's true i don't know like mm-hmm. I, I just think of like how dangerous i feel like everything is right now in the westlands mm-hmm. and more gays she's home without anyone and yeah. doesn't know what's going on we can talk about it more in that chapter but I was just wondering if the TV show is actually going to have them in Tarvalin. Hmm. Because they don't really necessarily need to be there. Hmm. I agree with you. Yeah, let's talk about let's talk about it more and let's talk about it like more in the spoiler section too. Okay. Okay, so Rand and Matt and Moraine are all out from the the doorway, right? Yes. Okay. And so Rand comes out and then Moraine steps out. Yeah. I do I like how Rand comes out in a de- in a defensive position. Like he's holding his flame sword and like backs out from the doorway, like the back of his boot comes out first. And Maureen is described as stepping out gracefully. And Matt's like, oh, I would dance with her. (laughs) And they all have these very different exits from the same place. Reflecting treatment from the same creatures. It's just kind of interesting how it's laid out that way. Yeah. This is another chapter where I was like really aggravated by Mm. Moraine because she wants to know everything that everyone was told 
And they're like, well, what what were your questions, Maureen? Right. And she's like, I ain't saying shit. Not telling and you anything. And then the boys are kind of like, well, we're not telling you anything. <laughs> so nope. there's this like little standoff. And I'm like, oh, Maureen, this is just. You're going about it all wrong. You're not right? you're not feeling very trustworthy at the moment. No. But uh, what can you do? I mean, I guess what they end up doing and they all just kind of like Well, good talks. Yeah, yeah. It's like, well, <laughs> I guess if you're not gonna tell me anything, we're not gonna share our, our, our special moment together. Well, see you later. Yeah. And I mean the last thing is just Matt kind of confronting I guess Rand about the situation in the two rivers and he's like you're really not gonna go help in any way are you and Rand's like dude I can't save the two rivers I have the entire world to save Perrin will take care of it (laughs) Perrin's got this yeah and then too when Matt's talking to Rand about it he's like is Perrin really going to do that? Is he really going to go? Like, mm-hmm. it's going to be dangerous. And <laughs> Rand's like, well, Perrin will do what he has to do. And it was right. kind of like, oh, okay. All right. Shit. That's your investment right. level. Got it. At least we learn later that Rand didn't expect Perrin to go by himself. He sets up some yeah. Aiel muscle to go along with him, which is pretty cool. Yeah, I appreciated that, that it was like, I at least potentially have a resource that I can offer in my stead. And I mean, Aiel Warrior is not a bad, <laughs> not a bad thing to have when you are walking into potentially dangerous and deadly situations. But yeah, that doesn't happen until the next chapter, right? In Leave Takings? Yes, yes. Cool. Should we jump over there? Are we good? Yeah, let's go for it. All right, so chapter 16 is leave-takings. After a mostly sleepless night, Perrin heads to Loyal's room to ask for his assistance with his travel plans. Bayil has beat him to the punch, and the two have a stubbornness contest, which neither seems to win and is more tedious than anything else. Point of view switched to Elaine's preparations to leave Tyr with Aguine and Nynaeve. The gals are interrupted by a stone-faced warder with a soft spot for Nynaeve. Elaine wonders if she should change her farewell message she has left for Rand. So this one was fun. (laughs) (laughs) Do you mean that? No, I like this one. I thought it was. I thought it was fine. I do. I I love that when Perrin arrives in Loyal's room, it is overflowing with flowers and books. And the flowers are gifts to Loyal for saving as many children in the Stone of Tear as he could. And do I tear up at the thought of Loyal battling Trollocs and Merdral to save a group of children? Mm-hmm. Did he actually battle them, or did he just hold the door shut? The section in the book says, held the do- door alone against Trollocs and Madral through the entire night. Hold the door. Hold the door. Hold the door. <laughs> Hold the door. <laughs> George R. R. Martin, get your own ideas. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm totally kidding. You don't have to be. That was hilarious. 
No, to me, like, I hadn't really read it in the in the kind of way where I saw Trollocs, or I'm sorry, where I saw Loyal as capable of battling off Trollocs and Merdral, but going through the entire series and understanding the Ogier nature a little bit more, in my head, there's this background image now of Loyal battled and bloodied and ferocious and like no holds barred because there are children to defend they can't defend themselves amber they can't defend themselves this is true so cute and perrin could not smell fail because of all the flowers and then she like right. pops off like a, like out of a jack-in-the-box right. <laughs> like, <"Boo."> <laughs> <laughs> and perrin's like what the hell <laughs> Gotcha. What are you doing in here? <laughs> what are you doing in here? Yeah. Yeah. So this things get very twisted here because right. Fail has asked previously. She had asked Loyal to swear to her that he would take her through the ways before anyone else, and she knows Perrin is headed to the two rivers, and this is like her. Her way of getting her way, I guess. And yes, she almost puts her foot in it when she mentions <laughs> Loyal's mother. Mm-hmm. And Perrin is just getting so smug at this point because he's right. like, she's stepped in it. Like she brought up his mom. Whoops. Now he's going to get all jittery and mm-hmm. it's not going to go well. And Loyal's ears are twitching like crazy. <laughs> And Loyal's like, yeah, well, they think I'm a runaway, so I imagine they're probably on my on their way to come get me because he yeah. ran into another Ogier, and he's like, I'm sure that Ogier has already snitched on me. And- right. I like that it's like an official thing, like the Ogier elders or whatever who have like decided he is a runaway. Like it's not just a little thing anymore. That's part of his setting. It sounds like something that's going to spread out to all the settings. Loyal is a runaway. Hot gossip. Yeah. Yeah. And the, like the other Ogier that he talks to, like thinks it's really funny that this is happening. Like, ha ha, your mom, your mom's going to come get you. And she's probably got a gal picked out for you as a wife. <laughs> yeah. Loyal's like, no, anything but that. I'm writing the history of the Dragon Reborn. It's a first-hand account eyewitness. I will be the first one to do it. I can't get married now. Snakes and foxes said someone called Ogier Protection <laughs> Service. Oh. Yeah, because he's just a baby. He's just a little 90-year-old baby Ogier. He's just, so. he's just a, he's a little guy. He's so young. I do love that. So, Fael tricks our poor Loyal, and Loyal is like, well, well, this is this is great. You want to go to the two rivers? You want to go to the two rivers? We can all go together. This is right? great. And she's like, no. Loyal and I will go. If Perrin wants to come, he has to ask me. And if he doesn't ask me, he can follow behind me like a sad little puppy. Right. And Perrin won't budge. Fail won't budge. And I will say, though, this is coming off of a previous chapter 
where wait mm. is it this one or previous one where Perrin was like maybe I will go visit Bear Lane. That was the first chapter, right? Yeah. That was the yeah. first chapter. So mm-hmm. I mean Because he's trying to push her away. Right. But still it's that like, was a shitty thing. Go to away, say. Lassie. I don't love you anymore. Yeah. And he's like, what man wouldn't love Bear Lane sitting on the right? lap? And like Perrin. Come on. Silly. Now. Come on. I mean silly and she brings up, I mean, Fayil brings up some good points when she's talking to parents. She's like, would Bear Lane have your back? I mean, Bear Lane probably could and would. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. She seems ferocious enough. So, But Bear I mean, Lane maybe. would never make that journey. Like, why the fuck no. would she go? No. 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 But Fayil, yeah. Like, she's all about the adventure and she's all about parent. Like, him saying no to her just seems foolish. Take an ally. Take a badass ally. You know it's going to be bad, but maybe, like, use her. Use her knowledge. Figure shit out together, and you can avoid it. Like, he's so pessimistic about this whole thing. He's like, I'm going to the tombs to die. They're going to hang me. I'm like, are they, though? That's your hometown. Are they going to let that happen? Well... Spoiler alert. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> parent dies. <laughs> I mean, that's just if if I were a parent, I think I would have like just a tiny bit more hope than he has. You know? Yeah, but Tracy, you're like sunny side up always. Right, right, right. <laughs> Boomy. <laughs> so we pretty much leave off where Perrin runs into Gaul and he's like, yo, the dragon reborn told me what's (laughs) happening. I'm going to go to the two rivers with you. And Perrin is just like giddy with delight. Heck yeah. He's like, fucking Aiel with me in the two rivers. This is great. This is a great idea. Why didn't I think of this? Right. Such an idiot. And that's pretty much where it leaves off. Oh, 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 oh. Best gall line, probably. I don't know another funny line, but Perrin's like talking about going through the ways. Yeah, and he's like, he says something, and Gall's like, "Yeah, well, death does come for all men." And right. Perrin's like, "Rot row," <laughs> like that's not inspiring. <laughs> but what did <laughs> I mean? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I, Gall I get wins it. for best pep, pep talk. Yeah. I mean, usually it's Lan making comments like that. Right. But yeah. In this With about case. the same level of <laughs> facial expressions. Yeah. <laughs> it's like Gall blinks, but his expression doesn't change. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. But I mean, seriously, if like Gall the Aiel warrior walked up to him and was like, hey, I want to go with you. I would have the same reaction Parent has. I'd be like, yes, yes, by all means, please come with me. Agreed. If you like what you hear, rate and review us anywhere you listen to the podcast. This helps new listeners find the show. This podcast is brought to you by you. If you'd like to fund the show and receive cool stuff while doing it, check out The Road to Tarvalin on Patreon. All tiers can join us weekly for live recordings on our Discord server. 
Lastly, our Wheel of Time shop has a new web address and international shipping is finally live. Find all the links in our show notes and thanks for listening and joining us on the road to Tarvalin. So I want to jump to the second half of this chapter because it's split. Sure. And we go to the ladies. The we ladies. We are now with Nynaeve, Egwene, and Elaine. And this is from Elaine's perspective. And they're getting ready to go. Like, they're all breaking up. Well, not all, but mm-hmm. Nynaeve and Elaine are going to Tanchico. Mm-hmm. Egwene and Avienda are going to the Isle Waste. I'm so excited for this. Yeah. And then again, like, I, I think Robert Jordan was like a little bit stoned when he wrote these two <laughs> chapters because, again, we have like another hilarious door prank. Like, first it was the Finn throwing Matt out of the door, and then we have Lan like busting in through the door so hard that the door bounces off the wall and like, comes back and smacks him yeah <laughs> like, just like, he puts his hand out and stops it like smack he, he, he goes in so full throttle that the door almost takes him out right <laughs> like, i love it yeah it's really funny and it was so unexpected that <laughs> Egwene and elaine both hold on to the source mm-hmm. <laughs> like they're like what the fuck mm-hmm Yep. Uh, he makes a beeline for like naive though. She's like, woman. Well, so I mean With reason, he's worried. Yeah, and as much as naive pretends she doesn't want to be an Aes Sedai, she's acting very Aes Sedai like in these in these moments very, here. Very. Mm-hmm. Where Lan assumed she was going back to the tower from what she had told him. But yep. when he finds out that she's going to Tanchico and Ooh. how dangerous it has been in Tanchico, he's just like absolutely Pissed. distraught. Ooh, and yeah. then they're both kind of giving each other a tongue lashing and Lan just like full on like picks her up and then like they kiss and she's kicking and punching and then she kind of just like, oh, like falls into it. And she gets put back down and kind of like smooths her skirts a little bit. And I think Egwene was like embarrassed, but Elaine was like watching it. Yeah, like intently, like, oh, you know, like, is that what me and Rand look like? Right. (laughs) Elaine, would you like to come see Allison's tapestries? Right. We get the really epic quote that I think I've heard many times, but where he says, you have made a place in my heart where I thought there was no room for anything else. You have made flowers grow where I cultivated dust and stones. And if you die, I will not survive you long. And then he says that and like smiles. Right. Like a maniac. (laughs) And then... He leaves, and Egwene's like, why did you do that, Nynaeve? Like, he was ready to go to Tanchico with Nynaeve, and he offered it, and Mm -hmm. Nynaeve turned him down. And I thought this was really, to me, like, this was coming from such a place of maturity from Nynaeve to explain, like, if she asked him to come, Mm -hmm. like, he would always hold that 
or mm-hmm. maybe not hold it over her, but see it as a failing to right. his duty with Moraine. And if she mm-hmm. means to have land, she wants him to yep. 100% like walk into this of his mm-hmm. own choosing and yep. not forsaking any of his duties in the process. Yeah. So then they all hug and say goodbye. She's right. And I think that's really smart of her. And I mean, it's also a really good example of Nynaeve actually knowing what she wants in certain situations. And like, she wants land, but she doesn't want part of him. Half of land. She wants all of him. I can't wait to see how this is going to play out in the show. Mm, It was so... it was so fast paced. Like I was really happy that they like kind of start the relationship earlier on where mm-hmm. it feels a little bit more fleshed out, but mm-hmm. it's the same thing in the show as it is in the books where it's like you snap and you're like, wait, what? They're a couple. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I think a season with eight episodes, it's really hard to do. So. Yeah. I'm just hoping for like areas where their relationship will be explored in a way that builds it kind of how it is in the books, but better. Like they really don't spend a lot of time together. So if like somehow there's a way for us to like see what makes them a couple worth being emotionally invested in. I'd really like that. Yeah, I agree. And I think that's, again, the hard part about eight episode Mm -hmm. seasons Mm -hmm. where you need to spend enough time with each characters to Mm -hmm. understand their motivations and to Mm -hmm. find them sympathetic or even downright dirty. Mm -hmm. You know, like you want to inspire some kind of emotion right like Mm -hmm. love them hate them whatever you what you don't want is to kind of have like indifferent feelings about characters where it's like "Eh, i could take them or leave them like Mm -hmm. not really invested and it's really hard to do Uh like you can't give each character a I don't know, five-minute dialogue every (laughs) every episode right so Sometimes they're just in the background. Like, we got that really great lead-up moment between Lan and Nynaeve where mm-hmm. she's asking him questions about being a warder and asking about the old tongue, and he's mm-hmm. translating this, like, beautiful quote, I guess, that mm-hmm. her parents used to say to her. Yeah. And so they spend a lot of time in that episode, and then they also have that time together while she's healing Moraine. Mm-hmm. So, like, I, I think that they did as really as good of a job as they could. Mm-hmm. And still, I was like, it happened so fast. It yeah. happened so fast. So maybe, oh, maybe someday we'll get a 10 episode season. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I hope. I mean, it's not, I know that there are stipulations, right? Like, how much money. Mm hmm do you get how much money can you make each episode with Mm -hmm. and a lot of it depends on 
money. So like if you get an amount and you're like, well, this much goes to the actors, this much goes to CGI, this much goes to costumes, Costumes. building, Mm -hmm. renting out places where you're Mm -hmm. shooting. Horses. (laughs) You know, just everything. Yeah. So like I understand when it can only be this many episodes, Mm -hmm. but I would rather take less expensive looking Mm -hmm. costumes or sets in lieu Mm -hmm. of more episodes but that's just me i do think that like from the panel from the was it new york comic-con when they were talking Mm -hmm. about how a lot of season two is built on conversations it feels like and I think that that's going to actually be really smart, like, and also a big money saver if, like... If those conversations are great and if the dialogue is good. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, it doesn't hurt if, like, the scenery around is nice to look at, but that can be done fairly simply, I would think. I do have concerns around the large cities coming up but whatever i mean (laughs) which ones which ones well i mean okay so if if we're doing books two and three in season two i'm just thinking camelin tier kyrian so you would have to have like three of the big cities built for next season in some way shape or form well, I'm assuming, like, if we get, like, an overlooking shot of a whole city, that's going to be CGI. Mm-hmm. So you would do, like, an establishing shot, and then you're in, for example, a manor house or an inn. So, like, easier interior and creative minimal exterior kind of thing yeah i mean i'm just thinking about i I brought up good buddy georgia r martin earlier i'm just thinking (laughs) Mm -hmm. of like the earlier episodes of a game of thrones Mm -hmm. like how often were they just talking in a tent because Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. they were traveling or Mm -hmm. an attorney or something where they were just like on the ground Mm -hmm. somewhere not in a giant luxurious hall or mm-hmm. whatever yeah I mean, or like, even traveling like traveling right. things that were fairly simple and there is a lot of traveling that happens yeah i mean you don't you obviously don't want a whole episode to be like people having a conversation on horseback because that would be pretty boring mm-hmm. but i think there are ways to like creatively look at your budget and kind Mm -hmm. of cut things down when it Mm -hmm. needs to be. Mm -hmm. But yeah, like cities sets, like, you know, they built those streets for Tarvalin. Uh-huh. That had to have taken a big chunk of the budget. And then, Mm -hmm. like, they did reuse those sets. So that was, you know, fairly smart. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's just, I guess, a manner of shuffling things around and trying to figure out how to do it yeah yeah i agree i agree i think it's totally possible i think there's a lot that can be done when you're creative and just 
really efficient with how you spend your money. And I think the other thing to take into consideration is just like the the physical and mental well-being of like everyone involved in the project cuz like I can imagine that a 10 a 10 episode season is probably much more taxing for most everyone involved. Yeah. Okay, let's finish up this last right. chapter since sure. we're already in an hour. Absolutely. So we are sitting at chapter 17 Deception. Yes. Tom's doing a little juggling. Yeah. He has been doing his best to perform double duty as he has been wandering the halls of the stone with a song to sing and gossip to spread. Returning to his room, he finds Maureen there, and the two have a brief conversation about their pasts and future. We jump from Tear to the White Tower, where Min is now in full-blown Elmendretta mode. Galad and Gowan show up and distract her for a moment, but an unexpected vision startles her enough to send her off to share it with the emergency immediately. Swan is not thrilled with the interruption, but she receives news while Min is there that will set long-placed plans in play. (laughs) Yeah. So, love a good Tom chapter. I so needed this, Mm -hmm. and I was so sad when it switched to Min. Mm-hmm. I'm, like, massaging my temples right now. (laughs) So Tom is... Doing his best Dusty Mar work for the young Lord Dragon. He's planting seeds of mm-hmm. corruption. And he's doing it under the guise of entertaining the servants after, yep. you know, they've been through so much. Mm-hmm. They have. So he's questioning, like, hmm, like, I wonder why nobody really knows who was in charge of those barges. Right. That's odd, don't you think? I'm sure the High Lords would know what happened. It's (laughs) curious, wouldn't you say? And he's like juggling and the servants are like, oh. Oh. And then he's been at it all night and the sun's coming up and Mm -hmm. he's down to four balls. He can barely juggle anymore. (laughs) He's too tired. And he goes to his room. Moraine's there. Things get interesting. Mm-hmm. Things get interesting. Yeah, she, like, reaches out and heals him without asking him if it's okay. Yeah, it's almost like a power play, right? I'm wondering if in this moment it is a power play or not. Maybe she actually just feels sympathetic for him. Yeah, but even if she is feeling sympathetic... She's putting herself in a place of, like, power over him without asking his consent. <laughs> so, That's like, true. That's true. It's just kind of awkward. But, like, even if it, you know, it could totally be well-intentioned, but it's just... Maureen has a lot of good intentions. She's, mm-hmm. you know, she clearly wants to help Rand, but she's doing a lot of things that's just pushing him further away. Mm-hmm. She's a very interesting character, but... There are also so many questionable things that she does mm-hmm. where I'm like, mm-hmm. I love Moraine, but I'm also like, oh, Moraine, come on, <laughs> come on. It could be so yeah. much easier. But I guess that's some of the, the charm of her character. She's not entirely, you know, she's not a perfect person. Mm-mm. Nobody is, really. Mm-mm. But we do get this moment where she's like, I know... Who you are, Tom mm-hmm. Drill, Maryland, mm-hmm. 
lover to more gays, court bard. And he's Called like, the gray yeah. fox. <laughs> yeah, the silver or gray fox. He should yeah. be the silver fox, but should be. He basically is like, yeah, well, I know who you are, Moraine Domadred. Mm-hmm. And they're both kind of like, well, now that that's out of the way, let's <laughs> get to business. And she wants him to escort Nynaeve and Elaine to Tanchico. Mm-hmm. And she's appealing to his affection for Morghese's daughter. Yeah. Because when she was a baby, he was around in the castle and he watched yeah. her grow up a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I think, too, this might have been not only like, I feel like this is like a two pronged attack because, of course, he's going to feel protective yeah. over Elaine and invested in making sure that she's safe. But I think it's also purposely bringing forward like his relationship with his nephew Owen who yeah. he couldn't protect. Yeah. And Tom pretty much like thinks about it and Moraine gives him this like bargain. She's like if you go with the young women, I will tell you which one of the Red Aja members were responsible for everything that happened to mm-hmm. your nephew Owen. And yep. he was pretty resolute, but after that, you know, he's he's questioning things. He's questioning things hard. She she got him good. There is kind of this reassurance that she's offering him as well. Like, you will survive your time in Terabon. I guarantee it. By the first oath, you know I speak true. And she's like, I will see you again. And then she says, I will teach you that not all Aes Sedai are like those Reds, Tom. You must learn that. And I'm just like, well, why? And he's like, screw this. I want to move to the middle of nowhere, raise some chickens. I want chickens, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Let me raise those chickens. Yeah. The sheep. Yeah. I could raise sheep. That looks so easy. But, I mean, he's he's basically on, like, on the verge of weeping after he's done talking to Moraine and he just wants her to go because he's just overwhelmed by sadness for what's happened to his nephew. And I think seeing that emotional aspect of Tom is, I don't know, I think it's important. Like, I think it directs who he is as a character and how we see him. And I like it. Cool. Cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, I like Tom's emotional side. Yeah. And that he's like, he's like, there's no way I can let Elaine walk into a city like Tanchico. Like, they just can't do it. But he's also, yeah. of course, worried about Rand being left alone with an Aes Sedai because that's what will happen when he leaves. Is now all the advice that Rand could want for political maneuverings, he could slash should ask for them from. Moraine, you know? Yeah, and this was like, this was everything that he was doing before he is interrupted by Moraine and his chambers because mm-hmm. he's hoping that these servants, like, 
it's going to put pressure on them to align themselves with Rand instead mm-hmm. of the High Lords if yep. they question what the High Lords are really up to. Yep. And Moraine even says something to Tom like, these two High Lords have been killed. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't know anything about that, now would you? And Tom was like, no, oh, I don't know. And she's like, hmm, interesting. It's the two High Lords that are like, Pretty much, like, <laughs> ready to have open rebellion with Rand, but... Yeah. Cool. Good talk, Tom. Good mm-hmm. talk. Yeah. He's basically urging a peasant's rebellion. Yeah. I kind of love that. So do I. I just... I love this Tom chapter. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna fly through this White Tower chapter because I oh, have yeah. to. Yeah. So... It's, meh. Men, Galad and Gawain... They have a meeting. The boys want to know where their sister is. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Of course. And men can't really tell them anything. And then we learn that Galad has been hanging out with white cloaks and drinking. Scandal. Galad. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what are you but, doing, Galad? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So I... I must have just totally kind of, like, forgot about this whole, like, Galad reading The Way of the Light by mm-hmm. Lothar Mantelar. Yes. And it's it's whatever, right? Like, we don't really, like, get a ton of interesting stuff here. Mm-mm. It's just, like, where's my sister? White cloaks. Cool. And then <laughs> men talking about Loghain. Mm-hmm. and she kind of has a moment where she's like oh yeah like I saw this weird halo vision over Loghain I need to mm-hmm. go tell the Amerlin yeah she had never seen it before it was a new vision yeah but like something heroic mm-hmm. and yeah. of course we know what that means new readers know. you don't know so <laughs> She goes and talks to the Amerlin. Swan Sanchez, like, pretty much, like, what are you doing here? Like, mm-hmm. aren't you? Don't you have other things to do? And we learn that there's been letters sent to the Amerlin. Mm-hmm. And, like, Swan Sanchez finally gets the message that she was waiting for, that Rand has taken the Stone of Tear and he holds Kalendor, and she's like, all right, okay, now mm-hmm. I can do something. Now I can say something. The prophecies have been fulfilled. Like, surely things are safer now for me <laughs> to, to talk about this. Yes, and she's publicly, like, I'm going to call... Yeah. I'm going to call the hall of the tower. We're going to have a meeting tonight. No, fuck it. We're doing it now. Like, now let's, we're, let's get it done. And it kind of like all wraps up really quickly. Yeah. And I think the ending of this chapter was like the most like, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I was like, I totally forgot that this happened. Mm-hmm. And I, I needed a second, and I'm like, okay, okay. So we move to this no-name novice. I think mm-hmm. she's a novice or except a novice, maybe? Novice. She was yeah. in an earlier chapter where Min was talking to Galad about Elaine. And this novice has been sent to a farm because 
Swan Sanche ain't no fool. And <laughs> she had to get rid of this girl that knew that men had some type of a history with the daughter heir or the brothers of the daughter heir. Right. So she's like using a hoe and digging in the dirt on a vegetable farm. She's pissed. And some Aes Sedai comes up out of nowhere, throws her to the ground using the true power mm-hmm. and questions her like, I need to know everything you know about this woman, Elmindrida. And she's like, I don't know anything. She spoke to Gawain. And then she's kind of like, we we leave that chapter with her like screaming pretty much. Yeah. And then dead. Did it say outright that she died? The chapter ends up saying she did not stop screaming for a long time. And when the Aes Sedai left, there was not a sound around the farmhouse except for the chickens, not even breathing. I always took that to mean that, like, okay, she everyone's dead. Yeah. So, spoilers? Well, yes, because this will jump into that, too. The other big news that Swan gets is that Mazram Taim has escaped. And we know that that had been one of the possibilities that was tossed out by the Black Aja to Elaine and Aguin and Nynaeve when they were trying to figure out what their next plan was. So, mm-hmm. This plan has come to fruition because I'm I'm betting that that's who freed Taim. Like two sisters died in the process of this happening, and I think the best bet is that uh, the Black Aja had a little something to do with that. Just a guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I like that. So yeah, spoilers, please. Where would you like to start? Okay, chapter fourteen. Gaul says something about when he's like breaking up the fight between Berlane and Fael. He's like, Oh, you mean Ruark? Or Ruark, yeah, excuse me. He's like, says something about breaking the dragon's peace. And I was yeah. like, <gasps> The dragon's peace. Oh, Robert Jordan, you had this thought out all the way from the beginning, didn't you? Wild, right? Yeah, I liked that. Mm-hmm. That was all for that chapter, but second thing, when I was talking about Galad and Gawain not being yes. in the tower, uh-huh. honestly, I don't, I don't even know if we're going to spend much time in the tower, because from the little, like, behind-the-scenes teaser clip, Swan mm-hmm. Sanchez is on the move. She's traveling, so if that's the case, they probably won't be using a lot of Tarvalin sets, I'm assuming? I just don't know. I feel like that is a safe... I feel like that's a safe bet. We've got... Okay, yeah. We know we're going... We know there's going to be tower stuff because Matt has to be there. Yep. Swan Sanche, on the other hand, I don't know. Can they do that without her being there? Or this is just maybe like... Maybe it's a different, I don't, I just don't know. It's it's possibly an entirely different plot line that's being added in some way to incorporate something that needs to be done. Like, I feel like, like what you said, you can't avoid scenes in the tower. We're still going to have to have scenes from the tower, especially if we end up doing 
Nynaeve's raising to the accepted, like that'll have to happen in the tower. Will they do that for Egwene and Elaine as well? Are we going to have those scenes? Like, at least that's going to be a really simple set if they do it. It'll just be like the the inside the Tarangriel that'll potentially need to be slightly more expensive, possibly. I don't know. So what I was thinking is Galad and Gawain, I guess this is just like me not being able to like separate the books from like reality. And I think about royal families, like there is no way you would send every single one of your living children away. Right. Like into the care of someone else. Just not, no, not ever. Yeah. You don't, you just don't do it. So when I was reading this chapter of them both being there and the young men are just frustrated. Mm-hmm. And it was like, at this point, like, I don't even know what they're doing there. I guess, you know, like, obviously, they have to be there to help for reasons of, mm-hmm. you know, like, freeing people later on. But yeah. it just, I don't know, this these men chapters at the tower, not a huge fan I'm so excited she learned how to use makeup, though, aren't you? Like, could not care less. Could not care less. But she has cheekbones now. She has cheekbones now. Could not care less. No, it's fine. But No, I get it. I get it. It does seem kind of silly. Like, it's like putting glasses on. Oh, I've disguised myself. Really, the only reason I can think of for them to be there is to establish their positions in places that lead to important plot points later. Like, could it be changed and done differently and have the same result? Probably. But I think, I mean, God, there's so much about Gowan's storyline that I just don't like. Then I'm like, if they want to completely rewrite Gowan's storyline to, like, not suck, <laughs> I, would, I would be okay with that. Yeah, I don't know. I just, I just think that the White Cloak introduction could be done anywhere. Yeah, yeah. Galad, Galad is bored and searching for answers, and right? he ends up hanging out in taverns with White Cloaks. You could anywhere, anywhere. And also, like, you got to be kidding me, right? Like, you know that there's a serving maid somewhere that saw that fucking book sitting on a table in Galad's chamber. Mm -hmm. He would have gotten tattled on so fast, keeping a White Cloak's, like, mission Mm -hmm. statement (laughs) in his possession inside Mm -hmm. of the White Tower. No, 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 no. Nope. Don't believe it. Don't believe it. Yeah, it's just I, I all I can think of is where it needs to be, where they need to be for other plot points to happen later. But really, like none of it is essential to the plot. Like you could replace Gowan's part possibly with some other sympathizer to allow Swan and Leanne and Min and Loghain to leave or they find some way out on their own. Like Swan knows some secret passage. Yeah, I think the thing for me is that it just feels like a really long time that they're in Tarvalon. Mm-hmm. And realistically, 
I don't think like it's a bad plot point, like that it's just like boring or something. I think that it just feels kind of unreal mm-hmm. that they're just standing there waiting for their sister to come back. If they were really worried about it, like one should stay and the other should go and like check in with more gays. And I'd be raising an army at this point mm-hmm. <laughs> if it was me, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad that they don't do that because, oh boy. But again, like, this is just, it's a Tarvalin thing, mm-hmm. you know? Like, obviously, they can't tell more gays because <laughs> that would just go against everything that the I said I mm-hmm. stand for, letting someone lesser than them in on the super secret mission. <laughs> yeah. I think the only other thing that, like, came to mind around the, that last chapter is around Taim and the fact that Swan's response is to send out sisters and a thousand of the Tower Guard. And Leanne is like, um, is that smart? Like, shouldn't we, shouldn't we have them here? And, like, without realizing it, Swan's weakened herself like in a way that the black aja and everyone who wants to work against her could only dream of well if this was the black aja plot to begin with maybe this is hoping they're what they're hoping exactly exactly yeah like i i think that's exactly what they were hoping for like swan is not afraid of an attack, like a full-out attack from the inside. She And if there's any kind of violence that she's worried about, she's just automatically assuming it's the White Cloaks, and she's not really thinking that there could be an uprising inside the walls of the tower against her, which is exactly what happens. And when it does happen, she's down a thousand guards right off the bat because she sent them away and she also potentially sent away sisters that would have been loyal to her so it's it's like their dream come true and elida she's like oh this is gonna be so easy now it's really kind of heartbreaking when you see what that's going to do for swan later on agreed hopeful ending the happy ending for everyone yeah I'm excited uh, to next week. Well, am I excited to go into the ways? Maybe not. But at least there's some Ayil there to to be funny and exciting. We do have Rand pulling off that impressive feat of pulling, like, all the Ayil from the stone to the waist in, like, one fell swoop, right? I don't know. I don't remember that part. I'm just thinking that despite, you know, some of these chapters might not being, like, the most throwdown fight episode mm-hmm. chapters. Like, we've got cool stuff coming up regardless. Yes. That's, I think that's what I enjoy about the books, is it's always a, a little bit of both. A little, a little fighting, a little humor, a little weird flirtations and whatnot. And I love the way it's written. There are just so many places where the writing is like, yes. Yeah. But I, I'm okay with wrapping it up here. I don't want mm-hmm. it to get too long for nope. Aiden. Absolutely not. So 
Thanks for hanging out with us on another Rosa Tarvalin episode. Make sure you go check out our YouTube channel. We're slowly approaching like higher 600 in the number. So like, I don't know. I'd have to double check, but would appreciate it. And Mm -hmm. to our lovely patrons, thank you as Mm -hmm. always. And we will see you next time. Thanks so much for joining us. We will continue to release new episodes every Wednesday. We would love if you would subscribe to the podcast, leave us reviews, and share us with your friends in the Wheel of Time community. Let us know what you thought of our content. Correct us. Send us things we may have missed. You can find links to our email and social media accounts in the show notes. And if you have the Anchor app, leave a voice message for us to play in upcoming episodes. We also have a website where you can find links to our Discord channel, social media platforms, and merch shop. So until next week, thanks for joining us on the road to Tarvalin.